Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we debunk the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. Now, today I have with me dietitian Crystal Cargas. Crystal, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Marie. Well, let me tell everyone about Crystal. She is a master's level registered dietitian nutritionist, international board certified lactation consultant, certified intuitive eating counselor, and nutrition therapist. In a San Diego based private practice, Crystal offers specialized nutrition counseling for eating disorder recovery, body image healing prenatal and postnatal wellness, pediatric health and child feeding strategies, and breastfeeding consultation. Combining experience and expertise in the maternal and child health field, Crystal provides comprehensive nutrition support that empowers women to confidently nourish themselves and their families throughout the motherhood journey, cultivate a positive body image, and live freely in a peaceful relationship with food. Through a weight-inclusive framework, Crystal is committed to providing effective, passionate, and evidence-based nutrition care to mothers and families in the San Diego County and, in fact, worldwide through her online blog and nutrition coaching practice. Crystal, you are a woman who has a lot of really, really important things going on here as related to food, breastfeeding, and eating disorders. So could uh, this is just a hugely important topic. And I would like to tell people that uh, this month, in fact, is uh, eating disorders uh week. So I would really like for people to understand, first of all, Crystal, what is an eating disorder? Well, first, thank you so much for that introduction and for having me, Marie. And I'm so glad we can talk about this subject, which I think doesn't get enough light shed on it. So um, yeah, to begin with, an eating disorder Eating disorders are kind of a range of psychological disorders, which are characterized by abnormal or disturbed eating habits. So there are quite a few different eating disorders that are classified by specific diagnostic criteria like anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa. There's also binge eating disorder. Those are kind of the main big three, but there are a lot of other different types of maybe lesser known eating disorders. And also I will preface by saying that a lot of women may struggle with just general disordered eating or unhealthy relationship with food that may not necessarily fit the diagnostic criteria for an eating disorder, but they still might have abnormal eating behaviors, if that makes sense. Yes. I think you're saying that it falls outside the range of normal, but it's not necessarily pathologic. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm hearing you talk and I'm thinking, oh, brother, what did I eat today? 
(laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I think Um, sometimes that a lot of women who are struggling may think, I am not sick enough to get help. But I always say, anytime you feel like your eating behaviors are conflicting with your quality of life, then that is enough to ask for help. You don't have to fit a certain criteria or be considered, you know, pathological in order to ask for help. So I think it's really important that women understand that. Yeah, I think it's really important. You just said that to me, holy Toledo. Uh, (laughs) You know, I have packed on the pounds and I know that some of it is just stress. When I get stressed, I start feeding my face. My sister, on the other hand, when she gets stressed, she doesn't want anything to do with food. Mm -hmm. And I would suspect that we are not the only two women in the world that behave that way, certainly. But you're saying that some of these are just our struggle with food. They're not necessarily pathologic. But eating disorders are, in fact, uh, something that is not normal. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about these eating disorders as related to breastfeeding. What, in your opinion, and according to the science, what unique challenges might women in eating disorder recovery face in their breastfeeding journey specifically? Yeah, thank you for asking. I think this is an important question. And, you know, I'll preface it by saying, too, that I think for a lot of women, the prenatal postpartum time in their life can be a trigger for eating disorders. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, there's so many different things going on. There's a lot of different stressors that women are facing as they transition into motherhood. And if a woman is coming into her postpartum experience with a history of an eating disorder, that increases her risk of experiencing a relapse into those eating disorder behaviors. Um, and, and, you know, while trying to breastfeed, that can present with a lot of difficult challenges. So it's important to realize that coming into the breastfeeding experience with an eating disorder past, it, it doesn't mean that a woman will automatically experience sure. a relapse. But, sure. you know, as she's learning to care for her baby, and as you well know, there's a lot of different challenges that come up with breastfeeding. And I think a lot of new moms can find it difficult to remember to take care of themselves and do basic things like eating. That becomes really challenging all of a sudden when you have a brand new baby. And yes, especially with first time moms. So I think one, one main thing that I think a lot of women with that eating disorder past may face is just difficulty in learning how to take care of themselves and adjusting with the newborn. I would agree. As a matter of fact, we had a guest on this show just a, I don't know, a few weeks ago where she said, I noticed that when I was breastfeeding, number one, I was always hungry. And number two, I really didn't have time to make stuff for myself. Yeah. Thinking, well, yes, absolutely. And forgive me if I'm ahead of you here, but one of my pet peeves is that I see so many healthcare professionals, every time the baby fusses, doesn't matter why the baby fusses, suddenly everybody's answer is, oh, it's something you're eating. Cut out your this, cut out your that, cut out your that. And I'm like, I think that is so overrated. And as, you know, sometimes I ask myself, well, what about if chocolate is her comfort food? You know, mm-hmm. I'm so <laughs> and, glad you brought that up because I think a lot of breastfeeding moms do struggle with that. And there's yes. so much, I mean, Google is at our fingertips. So right. we are constantly searching 
for any symptom or sign that we might see in our baby or feel like, oh, it's it's on me if, if my baby's yeah. not sleeping or if they're fussy or, you know, like you were saying, anything that might be slightly, it's probably normal behavior, but I think Absolutely. it's so yeah. easy to read into everything. And yeah, one of the main recommendations that I've heard from a lot of healthcare professionals, which lands a lot of women into my office, is telling them, you need to cut this out of your diet, you know, gluten, dairy, soy, eggs. And before you know it, this mom, poor mom, who's trying to breastfeed, literally has a list with like four things that she can eat. And she's, she's miserable and she's hungry because in breastfeeding, our nutrient demands actually are increased and higher than they are than pregnancy. And so you're combining this ravenous hunger and adjusting to a new normal in our own body with misinformation that is telling us that we shouldn't be eating so many different things that might potentially be harmful to our baby. And yes, that is prime breathing ground for disordered eating and mm, you know a trigger mm. it could be so triggering for a mother with an eating disorder past who you know may have already been struggling with food and now food all of a sudden can feel so much more chaotic again because it's directly impacting her baby and she's worried that gosh if I put something in my body is it going to hurt my baby so yes that is a very difficult thing that a lot of breastfeeding women might encounter and it can absolutely trigger, you know, their own eating habits and make things more chaotic. Crystal, I'm really glad that you talked about that because I've seen this so many times. I am not a dietitian. I don't know a lot about nutrition. I often joke that uh, I'm better off than most nurses. I've taken twice as many uh, nutrition courses as part of my basic curriculum. Ha, ha, ha. That means I've taken taken two courses instead of one, you know. But, (laughs) But intuitively, I just know that that when you tell them, cut out the the dairy, cut out the eggs, cut out the gluten, blah, 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 blah. And I have seen these situations where the woman is down to, as you say, and for those of you who are listening, trust me, Crystal is not exaggerating. Three or four things are on her list of what she can eat. And, you know, it's kind of chicken and brown rice kind of thing. Right, (laughs) exactly. And that is not, you know, food is meant to be not just nourishing, but pleasurable. Like, you know, and if we can't have that aspect of eating, especially in postpartum, then it's going to make life pretty difficult and miserable and not fun. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but but what you really just brought to light for me is something that I had never thought of, which is when we start telling all of the, the all of these things that these women cannot have, we might have just uh, created, as you said, that breeding ground for mm-hmm. an eating disorder. That's kind of scary. Holy Toledo! All right, so so tell us how you alluded to this, but how do a does a woman's nutrition need? change while breastfeeding and that's my sort of big question but there's a smaller question within it which you just sort of talked about a little bit I have got rooms full and I mean rooms full of of IBCLCs who are showing up for a review at their 10-year mark and I ask them when is the mother's uh 
nutrient need greater during pregnancy or during lactation? She always tells me, uh, I've got rooms full of people who will tell me during pregnancy. And I say, no, 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 mm-hmm. not, not <laughs> true. And then I ask them, how can you explain that? And they totally can't. So yeah. anyway, t- get people straight on this, if you would, please. Sure. Well, I think it's important to realize that, yes, our nutrient our nutrient needs are increased in pregnancy. The thing is that we are coming into an, another period of time, which is breastfeeding, where the nutrient demands continue to be increased. So what happens is if a woman is not sufficiently meeting her needs, let's say even before she's pregnant and then she gets into pregnancy already with a nutrient deficit and is not appropriately taking care of her body, it kind of is like a snowballing compounding effect, if that makes sense. So, you know, you can come into pregnancy and this is the thing is that a lot of women assume, well, if the baby's not in my body anymore, then <laughs> yes, <laughs> I I don't need to be as you know diligent about feeding myself and taking care of all all of my nutrition nutritional needs. But the process of making milk, which is what our body is doing when we're breastfeeding, is very taxing and it requires more protein, you know, calcium, vitamin D, like these are just some of the main nutrients that are going up in pregnancy. But just overall, I mean, I'm sorry, breastfeeding, overall, we need just more calories, more nutrient dense foods to cover our bases. But our nutrient needs go and calorie needs are 500 plus calories increased. And that is over our baseline rate. Yes over our baseline rate, which is more than what will be increased in pregnancy. And of course, that's an average, you know, it could be more or less for different women. But, you know, and again, this can be compounded if we haven't taken care of ourselves, we haven't um, restored ourselves sufficiently from birth and labor and all those things. So yes, our nutrient needs are increased. And it's, a harder time for women to meet their nutritional needs because, you know, hello, new baby, and so many different things that are involved with that. So, Crystal, how does this feed into, no pun intended, how does this feed into the mother who is recovering from an eating disorder then? Well, I think it's important also to be aware of our cultural Mm, backdrop where is this pressure and messages that postpartum moms are constantly inundated with. And that is you need to lose your, your pregnancy weight. You need to drop back into your quote unquote post or pre baby body, which I hate that term because pregnancy <laughs> is absolutely transformational. How can we be expected to go back to our body um, that has now been changed by having a baby? But I think that in combination with just the new motherhood stressors and overall lack of information for postpartum moms makes it, you know, so much more difficult for a mom who has had that eating disorder pass. It's, it's learning to adapt to her new body while also kind of figuring out and navigating how do I feed myself? How do I deal with this up and down appetite that, tends to fluctuate a lot in postpartum and all of that can just bring up those eating disorder behaviors. So Crystal, would you consider those maybe triggers and can the woman, her, can the woman herself sort of know 
what triggers her if she's self-aware? I think some women who have have been in recovery enough to know what their triggers and their red flags are can can be able to identify that and hopefully have a support system in place. But for some women, they might assume that this is what new motherhood is like. And, you know, I think it's important to know, too, that eating disorders often can give a superficial sense of control. And I think a lot of women gravitate to, well, I can't control my circumstances and my changing life in motherhood. So they are naturally going to default to something that they feel like they can control, which is often their food and their body. So that's what Mm -hmm. tends to come right back to the surface. Yes, I would totally agree. That's uh, part of why I asked that. I think that's just so important Mm -hmm. to realize, hey, everybody, do not go away. This whole topic of eating disorders is important, and it's even more important as related to the breastfeeding mothers. So I will be right back with Crystal Cargus right after this short message. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. 
You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Marie Biancuzo. I'm here today with Crystal Cargus, and we are talking about eating disorders in uh, breastfeeding. So, Crystal, you've talked a little bit about what is pathologic, what is not pathologic, what you should get help for, uh, triggers, all those sorts of things. But help me here. I'm sure that these women have probably been right in front of my face and I have missed them. Mm -hmm. What are some signs that a mother in eating disorder recovery can be struggling to meet her nutritional needs while she's breastfeeding? Mm, I'm so glad you asked that because I think a lot of times women who are struggling with eating disorders often suffer in silence and there's a lot of reasons for that, but it can be so difficult to reach out for help, especially in, in motherhood when, when a mother is postpartum and trying to take care of her baby and adjust to this new way of life. It is so difficult to admit that you're struggling or that you know, something that you may have dealt with in the past and feel like, hey, I think I have a handle on this. And to know that it might be resurfacing, I think is hard for a lot of women to, to grapple with. And so, and, and sometimes it may not be as obvious to the mother herself, and it may be more obvious to her loved ones or to professionals that are interacting with her. Um, And so I think it's definitely important to, to be aware first of any, changes in eating patterns. So, Mm. you know, and a lot of moms out there might be thinking, well, yeah, my eating patterns are going to change inevitably in postpartum and as a new mom, which is true. You know, a lot of things and ways that we might normally eat will, will be different. But if you notice that a a mother is suddenly skipping a lot of meals or Mm. avoiding you know, eating altogether or just um, seems to be preoccupied with her body and her weight all of a sudden or with food or if she's really hyper-focusing on food itself, those can be signs that something is amiss, you know, that there there is something there that maybe should be looked at a little closely. If eating and and thoughts about food and her body are actually interfering with her ability to take care of herself and her baby that can also definitely be red flags that shouldn't be ignored um so I hope that helps a little bit I know that can seem very general but those are kind of the big major things that we look at like major changes in food and eating and also just how mom's time and attention you know is it preoccupying her time and attention to a point where it's kind of becoming debilitating Crystal, it sounds to me like it's really about the re- relationship with food. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. All right. So, so help me with this because I love food. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do not think I have an eating disorder, but uh, I guess as I hear you talking, I'm thinking to myself. So how would I know if I was just really, really enjoying this whatever food that somebody just brought me? Because, of course, people do that. Uh, how would I know if I was overeating, binge eating, or craving? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, do those things look different? Yes, I think, yes. There's There can be a lot of confusion around 
you know, is this an actual eating disorder or not? And I would love to refer your listeners to if you are unsure and suspecting that maybe there's something wrong, but I'm not quite sure if this is actually a problem. There is a wealth of information um, on the National Eating Disorder Association website Mm. where they actually have a wonderful screening tool that's free. So if you're, you know, really unsure if what you're dealing with is an actual eating disorder or not, but I always say too, it's often, you know, the intent behind the behavior. So it, it goes so much more than just the food itself, but more about the intent behind the behavior. So food is becoming your soul source of escaping or you find yourself coping a lot by turning to food Um, or if you have a lot of shame and guilt around eating Mm. those are major Mm. red flags that something is abnormal there and you know food again should be something that's enjoyable pleasurable I mean granted not every eating experience is going to be this magical thing right but if it's something that is shrouded in a lot of guilt shame, embarrassment, you know, if you feel um, really unhappy in your body to the point that it's preventing you from doing things that you would normally enjoy or you would normally do, that's, again, another red flag that something might be wrong. Um, Uh, So uh I think it's always important to to kind of look a little bit deeper. I think it's, it's a lot like the iceberg analogy where Sometimes when it comes to food, we only see what's on the surface, right? We see what people are eating, kind of how they eat, but it really is a lot to do with things that are the underlying things that are going on. You know, is is food your only way of dealing or coping with difficult things in your life? Um, If so, then we might want to look at that a little closer. So, Crystal, you talked a little bit about what it looks like. I'm not sure if that is or is not the same as an actual warning sign that this eating disorder is interfering with breastfeeding. Mm, Yes. So when it comes to breastfeeding, yes, this is going to look a lot differently. And I think for moms who are breastfeeding and who may be struggling with an eating disorder, There is often sometimes a little bit of a disconnect between um, a woman and her baby. So when a woman is dealing with an eating disorder, there really is a disconnect in her own body, right? Where if she is denying herself the food Mm. and nutrition that she needs, it is a disconnect kind of between her brain and her body. Um, And sometimes this can interfere in the feeding relationship between a mother and her baby. So that's where I think that this can become especially dangerous is if a mother's own perception on food and her body starts to interfere how she feeds her own baby. But it, it doesn't go to that immediately. I think sometimes what women might see is a possible drop in their milk supply if let's say they're not feeding themselves appropriately or not eating enough to support breastfeeding then that can absolutely influence just you know the amount of breast milk that they're making which we might see that impact in baby as well you know if it's a prolonged issue where mom is not eating enough and therefore not making enough breast milk then that might influence how baby is growing 
Yeah, I want to back up there just a minute, Crystal, mm-hmm. because I want everybody to understand. Crystal is not talking about skipping a meal or two, or you know, right. having having a couple of bad days or something. She's not talking about that. At least I don't think she is. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's talking about real, true sustained nutritional deficits to mm-hmm. affect milk supply, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I thank yeah. you for clarifying. And to add to that, you know, this would be just an ongoing kind of chronic right, right. pattern where a mom may, again, be slipping into that eating disorder behavior that is really defining how she's treating her, her own body. And yes, this wouldn't be something that we would see you know, in a, in a matter of a couple of days, like this would be something that would have resulted from kind of an ongoing chronic Sustained. issue. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Crystal, if I have some, and, and I know that you've been clear in saying that there is more than one eating disorder, but mm-hmm. if I come to you and I have a eating disorder of some kind, where do you start with talking with me and can, mm-hmm. is this just talk therapy or do you give people practical tips? Uh, what do you do here? Yes, that's a great question. So I think first, and this is for, for your listeners to know that this might not be on a lot of professionals radars and unfortunately eating disorders often go under the rug, you know, so to say, like they aren't always picked up on. And I think sometimes it, it's something that surfaces with a other mental health disorder. So it might come alongside, you know, postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety that it often comes hand in hand with other things. And I think sometimes that's when it becomes, um, on the radar. But like I said, it's, one thing that I always like to ask the moms that I work with is not necessarily, I do like to screen for the eating disorder and always, you know, asking if there's a history of an eating disorder, because I think that gives us more clues if we know that that's in the past. Uh But again, if a mom is feeling overwhelmed with eating to the point that it's starting to impact her ability to live on a daily basis where, you know, she's having a difficult time, and this is, again, going beyond just what what we might experience as new moms postpartum. But if it's anything that feels overwhelming or abnormal or it just, you know, it's not, you just might not feel like hey, this is myself. You know, I'm, I feel like I'm sure. not myself. I think it's important for women to realize that even if nobody has given you an official eating disorder diagnosis or that's never been on your radar, it's important that that doesn't get ignored because there are absolutely, uh, there are amazing resources out there that can support women and help them heal their relationship with food and their bodies so that it's not something that impacts how they feed them, their themselves and their children. And yes, I think there's a combination of things that can support a woman who is struggling with an eating disorder including therapy, but also nutrition counseling, where mm-hmm. sometimes we just need a little bit of hand-holding. Hand sure. Sure. <laughs> Sorry, sure. got tongue-tied there. But, you know, it might be like, okay, let's get back to basics here and figure out what is a, 
what is a normal amount of food that I need throughout the day? Because that can easily get lost in new motherhood where all of a sudden our days become our nights and our nights become our days. And yes. we don't even know <laughs> what right. should I be eating at this point? Is it okay for me to be eating at two in the morning when I'm starving and I'm, I'm up nursing baby. And I think sometimes women just need a really practical kind of meal plan or, or framework to work with that, guides them in turn in terms of nourishing their own body so yes that is definitely something that I do with with the clients that I work with and that women can know is available out there if they feel like I just need a little bit of support in terms of understanding how to feed myself because essentially it's something that we're relearning in motherhood once we have a new baby that we're also responsible for and breastfeeding as well or even if you're not breastfeeding you know it's it's something that we have to navigate in a different light so crystal what about uh let's say that you've got a mother who is in eating discovery excuse me eating disorder recovery Mm -hmm. um how can she effectively meet those nutritional needs and support herself as a breastfeeding mother and her, in other words, this, for some people, I can see that some people in their head would be thinking that these two things were at odds with each other. Oh, mm-hmm. I've got a breastfeed. Oh, no, wait a minute. I'm in, in uh, recovery here. Mm-hmm. So how do, how do they sort of square this in their brain? That's a great question. And one thing I always encourage moms to do, especially this especially with an eating disorder past. So if you're coming into pregnancy, knowing very well that this is something I've struggled with in the past, I always suggest to work with someone and build up a support team for yourself so that you are as prepared as possible going into postpartum and going mm-hmm. into breastfeeding. Yeah, and I get think, ahead of it? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. and really kind of work with your support team to build a strategy, like a postpartum care plan for yourself. Because like I said, unfortunately, in our society, I think we have it a little bit backwards where it's like women get all this care and attention during pregnancy, but then come postpartum, it's like, where's everyone? <laughs> Where'd everyone go? Um, yes. You know, like we get that one postpartum checkup with our healthcare provider, you know, six to eight weeks out, but we need so much more support and help. And just because you only get one or two appointments, it doesn't mean you can't be proactive in creating that support team for yourself and realizing that you very well may need that support in place even before you get to that point. And I really say you can't over-prepare for postpartum. You know, I've never worked with a mom who said, wow, I really had too much help when (laughs) I was (laughs) in postpartum and when I was trying to breastfeed. So I think establishing a care plan, a nutrition care plan is so important and really keeping a fluid kind of finger on it, knowing that, yeah, things are going to change. But if you know that this is what I'm going to have to do for myself ahead of time, then that will make it so much easier to not only stay on top of your eating disorder recovery, but to do the things that you need to do to be able to breastfeed and nurture that positive feeding relationship between you and your baby. Yeah, you know, I just want to say that you have just brought up something that I had not exactly thought about, I've thought about, but not exactly this way, which is we all sort of presume that that six weeks checkup is that that's our healthcare provider 
That's when we have this health, whatever we want to call it. But in fact, there are a whole lot of support team people out there. Certainly, Crystal is one of those people, but there are many others who can help you to build a good, healthy body, mind, baby, family, Mm -hmm. etc. And that is not just the person who delivered your baby. Absolutely. Um, That's the part that we kind of lose track of. And I think it's so important for people to know that it's everything from, um, you know, dietitians to yoga to... uh, postpartum depression to whatever it is. If you need to get help, you need to get help. It's okay. Hey, everybody, don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuso. I will be right back with Crystal Cargus right after this short message. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. 
To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm here today with dietitian Crystal Cargus, and she is talking to us about breastfeeding mothers who are in uh, eating disorder recovery. Crystal, you talked a lot in the last segment uh, about these sorts of issues and the need to get help. And I'm thinking a couple of things here. One is mm-hmm. I'm thinking... All right, so maybe I don't really want to go and get help. I kind of want to snoop this out a little bit myself before mm-hmm. I get help. My question is, what sort of resources can I find without going to you? What what can I sure. get? Sure. And I think too, it's it is important for for any of your listeners who are out there and who may recognize that they are struggling and do need help that there may need to be a little bit more pro- proactivity on their part. So, because again, like we mentioned earlier, that these are the ten, these are the type of issues that tend to go under the radar. Yep. And yep. it's often a loved one who is like, "Whoa, something's not okay here," or uh-huh. something like that that is intervening, and it can be really overwhelming to know even where to start and how to get help. Mm-hmm. And one thing I do always encourage is to start with the health provider that you are already working with, and if it's you know you're still in touch with your OB, or if you need to go back to your primary care doctor. And just let them know. And you have to be, again, you have to be proactive and really diligent about being upfront with what you're struggling with and asking for the help and the resources you need because it often will not come to you. You have to Mm -hmm. ask for it. And, you know, being really having it, being able to have an honest conversation with your OB or your healthcare provider and say, look, these are the things I'm struggling with. And if it is already part of your history, your medical history, where you you have had an eating disorder struggle, I think it may be a lot easier to get the ball rolling in terms of connecting to the help and the resources you need for treatment. Uh Um, But if not, you can also try to start with your insurance provider if that's something that you have. So a lot of insurances now will cover mental health benefits. So that might include working with a therapist that is in network with your insurance carrier um, who specializes in eating disorders and, you know, kind of starting from there. Um, And sometimes it may be something that's a little more involved in terms of getting a higher level of care for eating disorder treatment. And again, this depends on the severity of the eating disorder and how much is involved, but eating disorders are are best approached and most effectively treated with a comprehensive team because there's so many different factors involved, especially if we're talking about a maternal eating disorder. So an eating disorder that's surfacing either in pregnancy or postpartum, there's going to be a lot of pieces to the puzzle. And so, again, looking at it as this might involve a team, but if I don't have that team in place and I don't know where to start, start with what you have. Start with your healthcare providers that you're already working with, start with the insurance that you might have that's, you know, you're getting your benefits through and and kind of seeing what's available to you. 
and um, knowing that those resources are out there. They are. It just does take a little bit more due diligence and being proactive for asking for what you need, but you can slowly kind of build your team so that you're getting the most effective care possible. Crystal, one of the things I'm a little bit confused about is, do you start by looking at a dietitian or at a psychotherapist? That's a great question. And if it's a dietitian that's specializing in eating disorders, um, I mean, that's, that's the thing is that you want to work with someone that is specializing in eating disorder recovery. Okay. Okay. So um, their, their actual credential doesn't mean as much as their focus. Yes. Like always make sure as you're navigating this process that you're looking at what their specialty is and what their background is. You want okay. someone who has worked with eating disorders um, in the past and that that's something that they're very comfortable with. Um, otherwise, you know, you might go around in circles a little bit. Yes. yes. Um, but if you're trying to make that first initial connection and you're not sure where to start, you know, you can, you can start with either by looking for a psychotherapist that has that background or a dietitian with that background. And in either, either place that you start, they will be able to help kind of guide you, you know, like if you're starting with a psychotherapist and you're realizing that things are kind of surfacing because of all the different stressors that are going on in your life. And if your therapist realizes like, hey, you might need a little more nutrition support or you might need a little more guidance with your nutrition. Let me connect you with, you know, a dietitian who can help you or, or vice versa, if that makes sense. Let me ask you the hard question here. I can tell you that uh, since 2012, my insurance, healthcare insurance premiums have done nothing except go mm-hmm. up and my coverage has done nothing but go down. Mm-hmm. Nothing, and I mean nothing on my plan is covered other than a, a physician visit. So yeah. let's say, let's say that I say to myself, okay, I'm a breastfeeding mother. I can't be uh, having this eating disorder uh, Go to go unfixed, I'm going to have to pay out of pocket in order yeah. to get help for myself. What kind of money are people talking about? And I'm sure there's a range, but at least here in the U.S., what would you say is the range if you have to pay out of pocket for that? That's a great question. And it is heartbreaking that that can be such yeah. a factor. That this is a reality. So, <laughs> yes, for yeah. so many women that need help. And you know, it, it can depend. It, it depends on a lot of different things. It depends on what type of treatment you're looking for. If it's, if it's okay. single visits with the therapist versus like, I need to actually go to treatment in something a little more structured. Got it. I, I always do my best in terms of working with women and try to help them understand what are the consequences of not treating this sure. because that sure. definitely far outweighs the investment. The investment. Of, I would agree. Yes. Because eating disorders again are not, you know, they're not just, it's not just a matter of, Oh, I'm having a hard day eating today. Or, you know, I think there's a lot of stigma associated with eating disorders, but oh, yeah. oh, it's yeah. important to understand that these are severe psychological diseases, mental diseases that will, just compound and become much more difficult and harder to deal with if they go left untreated. 
Um, so really understanding that this is not something that I, I, I kind of say that it's kind of like if you had a physical illness, you know, um, like sure. diabetes or heart disease, like you would likely want to take the steps to, to treat it. And sometimes we don't, we think of mental illness differently, right? Like I, sure. I think because again, there's a lot of stigma associated with mental illness, but understanding that if you are investing in your care and your treatment, you are investing in your, in your future and the future of your family. And especially for mothers, I think there's so much hesitation to want to do what we need to take care of ourselves because our children become the primary focus of our care and our attention. But understanding that you can only go so far in caring for your children if, if you're dealing with an eating disorder, that that will that will be an obstacle in being the mother that you want to be to them and that they deserve. Of course. Um, so can you put a dollar figure on what that investment would be? Yeah. I mean, it can, it can vary again, depending on what you're getting, but you know, it could be anywhere from a few hundred dollars a month to, to thousands of dollars, depending on, again, the type of treatment that you're seeking. Um, but you mentioned I, visits or go mm-hmm. into something treatment. Are you suggesting that a person might need to go for in-house treatment? And I would presume that's probably somebody who has had a history, right? Yes, yes. Uh-huh. So if, they're, they're, if an eating disorder is very severe and, you know, it, if it's co-occurring with other mental health conditions, oh, mm-hmm. say, you know, um, depression, anxiety, PTSD, if there's other things involved, and it's, again, sure. so severe sure. that a woman is having a difficult time even functioning, then there are higher levels of care and treatment available. So this could be um, anywhere from intensive outpatient, where she's actually going to a treatment center. Um, and there's inpatient, there's different levels of treatment. And that, again, would be something that would be assessed, you know, sure and determine. But if a woman is, is like, I am just struggling. I think I just need to talk to someone. I think I need some help and a little bit of hand holding. Um, you know, you can usually see a therapist or a dietitian for, you know, a visit by visit appointments where if this is not something that's covered necessarily by your insurance and you're paying out of pocket, that's and it might go on. Yeah. yeah. So it might be a couple hundred dollars a month for a visit, again, depending on where you are in the country sure, and who, sure. who you're seeing. But knowing that that is something that could be a starting point. You know, if you're like, I have to pay for this out of pocket. I don't have a whole lot to work with. Maybe you can just get an initial visit and go from there. Yeah, get launched is what I call that. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, you kind of get some tools to work with. Yes, and knowing too that there's a lot of support groups you know, there's, oh. yes, okay. there's, there's a lot that women can, can do for themselves to begin with, even if they're like, I don't think I can go in and actually see someone, you know, it doesn't mean that you can't see anybody and that you can't start reaching out for support. So I always say like, connect, you know, connect with the people in your community, um, there. So I'm assuming that those support groups would be for people who have, uh, eating disorders, not necessarily just breastfeeding mothers, uh, 
Yes. Am I reading this right? Yeah. And I I was going to say too, that if it's for a breastfeeding mother, you can always start with a breastfeeding group just to connect with other people and, you know, understand that that's not necessarily going to be, um, treatment, so to say, but I think the most important thing is that you're connecting with people for a disease that really wants to isolate and keep you back. I think it's important to connect with people, to start talking with people. And I think that's when women realize, you know, maybe I do need a little more help or, but I think community is key. And you know what they say, it takes a village. And so when we're talking about new moms and we're talking about breastfeeding and we're talking about navigating really difficult challenges, it starts with connecting to your village, connecting to the people that are already there and starting there. And understanding that you can always reach out for more support and help as you as you need it. Um, but I think sometimes that can be intimidating. And I don't oh, yes. want that oh, yes. to stop women from connecting to the people that are already in their lives, if that makes sense. Oh, yes, absolutely. So, Crystal, I'm sure that any amount of help is better than no help. But in your experience, about how many visits does it take average for people to, you know, sort of substantially feel more in control of their eating disorder? Yeah. Are we talking a couple of weeks, a couple of months, a couple of years? Yeah, Marie, that's kind of a hard question to answer because it's so individualized. (laughs) It's so individualized. And, you know, a lot of women are coming in. Um, often during postpartum and while breastfeeding, because it's those challenges that can bring up these eating issues back to the surface. Uh And sometimes they may realize, wow, this is, you know, something that has compounded, not just in my motherhood, but this has been building up for the last several years. Or Uh other moms are, you know, more just needing a little bit of a tune-up, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, so, that's a good word. Yeah. yeah, so it can really depend. But I, again, I always say don't don't let that scare you, the uncertainty of not knowing um, what you need and what help you need because people are there to help you navigate that and you need to start somewhere. Love it, yeah. I just want listeners to realize that even just getting a few sessions might be enough to launch them so that they could get enough tools to kind of pull themselves together, but it may be several visits before they really feel substantially better if they can kind of stick with the the program. Am I right? Yes, absolutely. You know, it can definitely vary. But understanding, again, that eating disorders are complex issues that are not going to be solved in one session, usually, or if that makes sense, you know, usually it makes a lot of sense. It's having, but I think, and knowing that anything you can get even out of one visit would make such a difference in terms of helping you navigate this. I would totally agree. Hey, everybody, this has been a really interesting session with dietitian Crystal Cargus. Crystal, uh, we need to wrap up here today, but in the one minute or so we have left, uh, what are some take-home points that you would want uh, families to have from this session? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the main thing is that if you feel like things are not right with your relationship with food or your body and you feel like that is making your postpartum and breastfeeding experience 
more difficult, please reach out for help. You don't have to have an official diagnosis or anything. There is help available and you deserve the help you need for recovery. Yes, most definitely. That, I, I would reiterate that as well. All right, everybody, you know this goes way, way, way too fast. And I would like to thank Crystal for being here. Crystal Cargus, thank you so much for giving us so much insight here today. Thank you so much for having me, Marie. And I'm glad that we could talk together to bring this subject to the light. Indeed so. And I would like to remind all of you who are listening, uh, I am at MarieBiancuzzo.com. That's M-A-R-I-E-B-I-A-N-C-U-Z-Z-O, MarieBiancuzzo.com. And if you have enjoyed the podcast, please rate us on YouTube, excuse me, (laughs) iTunes or wherever you listen. And uh, please share the love. Tell your friends if you found this helpful. Drop us a note at podcast at borntobebreastfed.com. And be sure to join us for our next upcoming episodes. I will be right here. I hope that you will be right here. And I hope that in the meanwhile, you remember your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.